0: Hello, thanks for tuning in this week. My name is Alex, I'm your Stock Storyteller. Welcome to the Stock Stories Podcast. And today we're gonna to talk about a mental model. We talked about our first mental model in the podcast ever a few weeks ago, and that was inversion. Um, so, a pretty powerful concept, very simple. Um, if you wanna check that out, go back a few episodes back. But today, we're gonna to talk about something else. Uh, So uh, welcome to Stock Stories, Episode 15. yes once again this is the stock stories podcast thanks for tuning in this week what is stock stories if this is your first time listening in thank you appreciate you listening and hopefully this podcast will provide some value to you hopefully it can help you out in some way maybe make you think of a new idea or uh, further develop an idea that you already have Uh, Usually, on the podcast, we discuss case studies of specific companies, specifically the S&P 500. We're going through those companies right now. Um, We've got over a dozen companies, or just about a dozen, under our belt right now. Um, And we're going to keep going. But aside from just the actual examples of companies which is the meat of the show, I also like to talk about some of the philosophy because there's a natural tension between action and philosophy that is necessary in order to really learn anything, right? Um, You can't just read a textbook and expect to be able to perform at a job, and you can't just work at a job and not know the foundational knowledge, otherwise you'll eventually fail because you won't have that foundation. So just like it is with, say, going to college and then going into your job after college in that example, it's very similar with investing. If we want to learn this skill, we have to have that natural tension between philosophy and action. So today is an episode focused on the philosophy part, and today we're going to cover a mental model. Last week, or not last week, but several weeks ago, we talked about inversion, which is a very simple but powerful idea, and today, another simple idea, but powerful, so powerful, in fact, that I even considered making it the entire theme of this podcast around this one mental model, so I'm excited to share it with you today, and it is the idea of the circle of competence, so without further ado, let's get into it. What is a circle of competence? Let's go way back to the founder of IBM, Tom Watson Sr. He is quoted as saying, I'm no genius. I'm smart in spots, but I stay around those spots. So the basic idea of a circle of competence is that you know something or you know a certain realm of knowledge. And basically just to have the awareness of where that boundary lies between what you know and what you don't know because that can help protect you from making very bad decisions or very good and actually helping you make very good decisions. So if you can imagine visually a circle and this circle represents what you know and then imagine a larger concentric circle that encompasses that smaller circle and this larger circle is your perceived level of knowledge. Now, that gap between the boundary of your perceived level of knowledge and where the boundary of your actual level of knowledge is, that gap is bad. You want to eliminate that gap. So, you want to understand what you know, understand what you don't know, because it'll help you make better decisions and avoid a lot of bad ones. Here's... A famous quote from Warren Buffett back in his 1996 letter to shareholders of Berkshire Hathaway, and he said, What an investor needs is the ability to correctly evaluate selected businesses. Note the word selected. You don't have to be an expert on every company, or even many. You only have to be able to evaluate companies within your circle of competence. The size of that circle is not very important. Knowing its boundaries, however, is vital. Now think about that concept. Think about that quote. It's not even about how much you know. How much you know is not that important necessarily in the long run because you can always expand what you know. You can always learn. You can always keep gaining knowledge and wisdom. But having that self-awareness is really key Uh, Charlie Munger was giving a speech one time, and he said something to the effect of, it's a lot better to have a 125 IQ when you think you have a 130 IQ than to have a 180 IQ and think you have a 200 IQ. You know, it's always better to think that you know less than you actually do or more closely approximate your actual level of knowledge because, well, for one reason, it just keeps you humble. But secondly, it helps you make better decisions. If you let your ego run wild and you say, oh, I'm, I'm so smart, I can really master stocks investing so easily and I'm just going to go out there and, you know, oh, I, I have a gut feeling that, you know, these five stocks, they're going to take over the market. And you put all your money into those. And guess what? It's probably going to happen? You're probably going to lose... A lot of money and many investors have had those hard-knock lessons early in their investing careers and you know they'll tell us younger investors they'll say hey you less experienced now as investors don't do what I did focus on learning what you need to know first and then take the action necessary to achieve the results that you desire based on that knowledge and on the limits of that knowledge Um, an example of this is peter lynch in his writings i like to refer to him a lot because he has so much so many good pieces of information so much good knowledge with regards to investing that he shared publicly and one of those is the advantages of the lay investor over the professional investor and he gives examples of people who work in certain careers or just are exposed very regularly in their daily lives to certain companies or industries or products and services that they offer. And he argues that those people, if they can recognize the inherent advantages that those companies that they encounter on a day to day basis have, that they can spot trends way before anybody on Wall Street can spot trends because the people on Wall Street, they're looking at things from a completely different viewpoint and they're also not necessarily on Main Street. They don't necessarily have their boots on the ground, so to speak, in order to understand the latest information from different products and services that companies are offering. Um, so that's one example that I like. Let's go into a specific example though. So let's say that you are a pharmacist. You went to pharmacy school, you studied a lot of chemistry and biology, you know, the various interactions between different drugs and understand what people should and should not take based on different conditions and different levels of their conditions. Um, Let's, let's say that you're a pharmacist, you work at a typical retail pharmacy. So you would already know, probably just from your job search and your job itself, that the four biggest retailers in the United States for selling drugs are CVS, Walgreens, Walmart, and Rite Aid. And there's others, you know, you got Kroger in there, you've got a bunch of other companies retail pharmacies but those are the main ones those are the big four so guess what all of those companies are publicly traded so you could look at the annual reports and not be completely lost when it comes to the discussion of the sales of the products and understanding the operations a little bit so that gives you an inherent advantage because you studied pharmacy so you're aware of that Now, let's take it a step further. Let's go a little deeper. Let's say that you're a pharmacist and you notice that certain types of drugs are being prescribed more than others. And you start to take notice of the names of these drugs and maybe you write them down and look up who makes them. Well, the top three drugs that are prescribed in America, at least as of the latest data that I was able to see, are Synthroid, which is a thyroid drug, helps people with thyroid conditions. There's Crestor, which helps lower high cholesterol. There's Ventolin HFA, which is helps people with asthma and breathing problems. So those are some of the three top-selling or top pres- most prescribed drugs out there. And as a pharmacist, you would naturally know this because you're actually prescribing the drugs. So who makes these? Well, for Synthroid, it's made by AbbVie, which is uh, a spinoff of Abbott Laboratories. It's a a company based in the United States, up in Chicago. And so that's a publicly traded company. What about Crestor? That's made by AstraZeneca, which is a company based in the United Kingdom. And you can buy shares of those on the uh, New York Stock Exchange. You can Look at Ventolin HFA, which is made by GlaxoSmithKline. This is also a company based in the United Kingdom. And you can also buy shares of that company and explore those financials. So just right off the bat, some of the most profitable or highest sales volume of drugs that are being sold out there are sold by publicly traded companies that you or I could buy shares of right now if we wanted to. Now, of course, you wouldn't just run out and buy these shares knowing, okay, they they just make these drugs. That's just an indicator, a potential indicator of the success or future success that a company or a stock may bring you. Um, You have to actually do further research. But having that knowledge as a pharmacist would clue you into different trends, different levels of knowledge about the products that are being sold through your retail pharmacy that say I wouldn't have because I'm not a pharmacist. All of these companies and products, I had to do research in preparation for this episode in order to even find that out. So having that knowledge in your day-to-day life can give you insights that other people don't have. And that's an example of knowing where your circle of competence lies. So uh, think about whatever job or industry you're in whatever your career is, think about the companies that are publicly traded or might be publicly traded that are directly or indirectly related to that because you may have some sort of competitive advantage there based upon the level of knowledge that you need just to earn a living. So, uh, so think about that. That could be a good homework assignment for you to, to do. So I want to give an example now of what can go wrong if you don't observe your own circle of competence. So I want to point to an example that happened a few years ago, back in 2014. There was a company called GT Advanced Technologies. And if you've never heard of this company before, this was a company that at the time was rumored to have a deal in the works with Apple in order to supply them with Sapphire for their iPhones. And as you can imagine, there was a lot of excitement around this for potential investors and current investors in GT Advanced Technologies at the time because it was going to be the biggest deal that the company had made. Um, Millions and millions and millions of iPhones were going to be sold with their materials. And it was just going to be great for everyone. It was going to be great for Apple. They were going to get some high quality materials It was going to be great for GT Advanced Technologies. Well, the problem was, in the negotiations, GT Advanced Technologies was basically kind of pushed around by Apple in the sense that the deal was very favorable toward Apple and um, not as favorable toward GT Advanced Technologies. Now, because of these negotiations, they were not able to pursue other deals with other smartphone companies at the time. And so they kind of got stuck between a rock and a hard place. The thing was that this, at the time all this was happening, this was completely unknown to investors of GT who were really excited because they were going to participate in massive growth of the company. The stock went up 20% upon news that the deal was probably going to happen when it was first rumored. So what happened? Eventually, Apple made the announcement that they were not going with GT Advanced Technologies Sapphire in their new iPhones, which at that time was iPhone 6, and GT shares plummeted. And the company, unfortunately, had to file for bankruptcy. And there are many investors who had put a significant amount of their net worth, into this one company. And I don't know for sure, because I don't know any of them personally, but from everything that I've read, these are people that did not know what they were doing, not even slightly as far as investing. They All they heard was Apple is going to buy their products and put them in the iPhone. And that was enough excitement to cause them to pull out their wallets, go into their brokerage accounts, and start shoving money into this stock, hoping that it would go up. Now, make no mistake. That is speculation. That is gambling. That is not investing. There was not a lot of, hmm, I'm not sure how to say this. There wasn't a lot of thought put into looking at the fundamentals of the company, or at least the risk of the fact that the prospects of GT advanced technologies was going to be largely dependent on this one customer, AKA Apple. Uh, so just a word to the wise, the circle of competence is there to protect you from making investing mistakes. If someone came to me and said, Oh, here's XYZ company. They're going to be the big supplier to Samsung for their new galaxy phone. I would say, okay, that's great. Let's look at the balance sheet. Let's look at the cash flow statement. Let's look at the income statement. Let's look at the basic description of the business. Let's look at how many customers this company has. How dependent is this company on this one deal? Uh, Staking your entire fortune or whatever little you have into a single company whose fortunes are largely unknown, that's that's foolish. Um, so this is a mental model that's meant to protect you from the downside as well as help you on the upside with the example of the pharmacist earlier. So think about your circle of competence. Another point I want to make is make sure that over time you are growing that boundary of your knowledge. You're growing your circle of competence so that you know more. If you know more about a specific industry, let's say that you were really into beverage stocks and you said, you know what, I don't know much about investing necessarily, but I understand that Coca-Cola gets consumed by millions of people around the, around the globe. I know that Pepsi gets consumed by millions of people around the globe. I'm just going to focus on beverage stocks. Okay, that's fine. You can totally make money that way and be very successful at it. Because you are going to focus on understanding the ins and outs of, okay, how do large beverage companies work with their bottlers? What are the distribution networks look like? What does the supply chain look like for all of the sugar and all of the additives? And what other products do these beverage companies sell, if any, other than beverages? Do they do non-alcoholic? Do they do alcoholic beverages? Do they do still beverages or carbonated? Um, Just you can really get into the nitty gritty of an industry, deeply understand it and then say, okay, well, I've analyzed the beverage industry thoroughly. And I understand that the two main players in non-alcoholic carbonated beverages and still beverages are, you know, Coca-Cola and Pepsi. All right, great. And then you can go from there. Um, or monster energy, you know, they're, they have an incredible growth rate over the last several years. I'm going to focus on them, trying to buy them at a favorable valuation. The whole point is understand what you know, increase your knowledge over time. And then the cool thing is that that knowledge, it won't just help you in that one area. It'll help you in other areas as well. So say in that example of you learning a lot about the beverage industry, well, some of that knowledge may come into play when you're analyzing restaurant stocks because restaurants sell beverages and maybe the beverage portion of their income statement is significantly influenced by the margins on their alcohol and their non-alcoholic drinks. So since you've studied the beverage market, you can more efficiently pivot and start to look at restaurant stocks in that one aspect. So that's just an example of how the knowledge can play together And make you not just a better investor, but a better overall thinker because you're able to limit your boundaries of your knowledge um, over a certain period of time. And then over a long period of time, increase that boundary cautiously so that you can make better decisions. So with that, that's the end of the episode. Go analyze your circle of competence. Think about the career you're in. Think about the industries that you are competent in already to at least some degree. Um, Maybe that can be a good starting place for you as you think about investing in companies. And uh, yeah, so with all that, have a good day. I'll see you next week.